Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that is found in these verses, the profound truth of what Jesus experienced and how that influences us. We pray that you would be with us in the moments that follow, that you would give us your wisdom, and that you would speak clearly to each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been going through the various themes of Advent over the past number of weeks. We have looked at Jesus as the hope giver, as the love giver, as the peace giver. And now we come to Jesus as the joy giver. And it's not really hard for us to find the theme of joy in the message of Christmas. It's found throughout it. In fact, uh, that is perhaps one of the, uh, the themes that is most prominent as we think about the Christmas story. Uh, if you think about um, Jesus, even before he was born, uh, he was uh, inside his mother Mary. Mary went to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And it's immediately when uh, Mary uh, came near Elizabeth, we're told that uh, baby, uh, pre-born baby, John the Baptist, leapt in his mother's womb with joy. Now, I always looked at that and thought, oh, that's interesting because John the Baptist recognized Jesus as the Messiah even before he was born. That's, that's really interesting. But I looked closer at it. He didn't just recognize that Jesus was the Christ. He leapt for joy. This tells us the very first thing that Jesus ever gave, other than maybe heartburn for his mother, the very first thing that he ever gave was that of joy. Joy was his first gift that was given by Jesus. And he gave it to John the Baptist. And then, of course, we have the, the story when uh, Jesus was born, that the angels went uh, and spoke to the shepherds, and the shepherds were afraid, and the angels assured them that they came with good news that would be joy for the entire world. And so they were identifying the birth of Jesus as bringing joy. Then, of course, we have the Christmas carol that was uh, just played and sung for us, Isaac Watts' Joy to the World which is one of the most triumphant Christmas carols that's out there. There are a lot of great Christmas carols that we love to hear, but there's something about that song in particular that just lifts you up. It's, it's hard uh, to be frowning when you're listening to that, especially if you're singing it. If we all had the opportunity to sing it together, which we wish 
We could, and we're hoping for next year. Uh, there is something that lifts you up. It's, it's really difficult to feel down when you're singing joy to the world. And this is something that we need to be thinking about right now, because uh, joy is something that should be there even in the most difficult of circumstances. And you don't need a worldwide pandemic to, uh, to cause difficulty and put up obstacles to joy. There's always things. Even if the vaccine completely eradicates uh, um, COVID-19, next year when we gather for Christmas, there's still, for many of us, there are going to be things that are troubling us, uh, burdens that we are carrying, uh, people that we're worried about, uh, and there are going to be things that are going to be seeking to rob us of our joy. In that, we need to focus our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the one who is the giver of all joy. Now, this uh, passage in Hebrews 12 tells us that uh, Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He is the source of our faith. The, the author of Hebrews is really setting him up as the one who is the obvious example for us. He's the one that we are to look to. And so we need to take this passage seriously and try to understand how Jesus lived so that we understand how we are to live. And the reason that I chose that particular passage is the phrase that the joy that was set before him, uh, because it's talking about some very difficult circumstances, and yet Jesus was able to endure suffering because of the joy that was set before him. Now, what was that joy? Well, we would hope that that joy would be um, uh, quiet contemplation, uh, resting in the presence of God, um, comfort, relaxing. That, that's the kind of thing that we would be hoping for. And yet, if that is our hope, we're going to be disappointed because that's not what, that was not the path that Jesus had. The path that he had was the cross. He was to endure the cross. Uh, he needed to get through the point of suffering before he could get to that joy. So what is joy? Well, joy is not just happiness. It's not just about um, being content with the way things are, uh, being happy that uh, things are going well, because those are things that rely upon circumstances. And yet, joy is something beyond circumstances. It's something that is deeper. It is something that is able to be present even in the most difficult of times. And this is what Jesus had. He had a very difficult time. He had to endure the cross. And the cross uh, was going to be something that was going to be a terrible experience for him. We look to Jesus on the cross, we sing about Jesus on the cross, but there was nothing pleasant there for him. It was a terrible experience, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and yet he endured it for the joy that was set before him. So what was that joy? Well, that joy was knowing that he was in the will of the Father. He was doing what the Father called him to do, 
and that he was being consistent with that. He was on the right path and he was going to the right place, which we are told in this passage was to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. He was to be with his father. And it was confidence in that that gave him joy. That was the joy that was set before him. It was beyond the moment because there was nothing about the experience of the cross that would make him happy. But knowing that he was on the will, in the will of God and he was on the right path was what was required. This reminds me of that uh, uh, we were talking about Isaac Watts and how he uh, wrote that uh, beautiful Christmas carol, Joy to the World, but he knew that there is more to it than just that triumphalism. Uh, Isaac Watts was also the uh, author and the writer of the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And one of my favorite lines in any hymn uh, comes from that hymn. And, and it's this section here. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thrones or thorns compose so rich a crown? And he's talking about how love and sorrow are meeting there, that there is the experience of suffering. And Isaac Watts knew from the life of Jesus that there is a place for joy, but the path to joy takes us through suffering. Those two things are interconnected and cannot be separated. Well, what about our story? Well, our story is a little bit different in that uh, hopefully we're not going to be crucified and we are unlikely to be sitting right at the right hand of the Father. However, there is something that is similar to it. Uh, the, the basic principles are the same, that there is suffering and there is joy that is set before us. One of the concerns that I have in the church, and I don't mean uh, Queen Street, I mean the church in general, is something that I call prosperity light. Uh, you may have heard of the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel says that uh, God uh, uh, pr uh, offers and guarantees uh, complete wealth and health to any believer. All you have to do is ask for it and you'll be a millionaire, you'll be perfectly healthy, and there'll be no problems in your life. You just have to have enough faith. Now, most of us uh, recognize that message, usually given by televangelists, to not be uh, completely consistent with the Bible, and we recognize the errors of that. But there is something that is tolerated in the church, which is called prosperity light. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we think we're going to be a millionaire. It doesn't necessarily mean that we think that we're never going to get the flu or, or, or get sick in any way. But there is a sense in which many Christians believe that we, are, we deserve, as Christians, to have some level of comfort, some level of prosperity, some level of avoidance of suffering. And we know that this is true because when there is someone that we know who is a particularly faithful Christian and something bad happens to them, maybe they get a, a bad diagnosis, uh, maybe um, their spouse leaves them or uh, something happens to one of their children, we ask, God, why did you let that happen? Why, why is that happening to them? They're such a good person. How could this happen to them? God, why are you letting this take place? And when we ask that question, we're asking that question because we're thinking that 
we deserve some kind of avoidance of the suffering that comes our way. And yet, that's not what is promised in the scriptures. If anything, it's promised that we are going to go through hard times. Uh, that is what happened to Jesus. That's what happened to the apostles. That's what happened to the prophets even before them. So we need to be aware of that. So how do we have joy? How can we have joy if suffering is going to come our way no matter what? Well, it's the exact same principles as Jesus. Uh, we need to have a sense that we are in God's will. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we're, we're not stumbling along the way, but we can have a sense of what God wants for our life. I'm not talking about details as, uh, as if, uh, you know, what's God's will for the, the house that I live in? What's God's will for the car that I drive? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the basic God's will of loving God, loving our neighbors, uh, living out the life of the kingdom. If we are doing that, there is joy in that. There's also joy in the sense of the direction that we're going to, that we, were, we are moving towards the presence of God. We are moving towards the resurrection. Now, I need to make things very clear here. I am not saying that when things are really bad, that you just force a smile and say, oh, well, I guess I'm going to go to heaven one day, so I'm just going to deal with it. I'm not talking about that. First of all, when suffering happens, we are allowed to grieve. And if you doubt that, read the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the crucifixion. He is grieving and suffering uh, over what's going to happen the very next day. So we are allowed to do that. Joy is not about having a smile on your face. It is something much, much deeper that allows us to have strength to endure things that we would rather not be experiencing. You do not have to fake that smile. And I'm also not saying that that joy is only for what happens in the resurrection, that it's only for heaven. It is not. It is a joy that can be experienced today. It just means that it's not based on the circumstances of today. Uh, 19 years ago, my firstborn son was born. And it was a, it was a great uh, time, except for the fact that I almost passed out. But we were not going to talk about that right now. That's a story for another day. <laughs> and it was a great to see this baby uh, being born, and he was so beautiful, even though he, he was looking kind of beat up and, and was a little bit slimy, but uh, he, he was okay. And uh, Logan, yes, I'm talking about you since he watches this. Uh, and I was filled with joy when Logan was born. It was so exciting to see this baby being born. And I still have incredible love for Logan and, and all of my five children. I love them so much. But I can't say that I'm always thinking about the joy that was created on that day when they were born, the, the, the miracle of that birth. I, I think about other things when it comes to my children. But when Jesus was born, there was great joy. Not just the normal joy that Joseph and Mary would have had, that their first child was being born, but joy being born into the world, a joy that would be made available to all people, no matter what the circumstances. That Jesus would grow up to be a man who would go to the cross, who would be resurrected, who would ascend to the right hand of the Father. And because of that, he assures joy for us 
in this world, no matter what our suffering. Think back to even before Jesus was born, that moment when Mary and Elizabeth met, and John the Baptist leapt for joy. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know anything about the story. All he knew is he was in the presence of Jesus, and he leapt for joy. How much more can we, who know the story, who know about the cross, who know about the empty tomb, how much more can we leap for joy, no matter what circumstances we might be in? Let us pray. God, we might not feel joy at this time of year. We might feel sorrow, but your joy is deeper. It's not based upon our circumstances. It's based upon the presence of Jesus. It's based upon knowing that we are a part of your kingdom, that we are following you, and that we are moving towards even an even deeper experience of your presence. God, we pray that that would be placed deep within our hearts, that we would be reminded of the joy that is set before us, and that we would be willing to endure our suffering just as Jesus experienced and endured his suffering. We pray these in Christ's name. Amen.